It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Who are we talking about? I don't know. I wasn't in that meeting, but I'm just assuming. Are all Toronto Blue Jays fans losers? You know what I'm going to become? A really, really obnoxious Bills fan. I got so passionate in that argument that I hit the mic with my hat. I cried like a little girl. <laughs> what is wrong with people? No, I'm saying I could have done what Speed does because I do that every time I golf. You're such a moron. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you because you're really creepy. Oh, more bacon. Everything is better with more bacon. Tom Brady wears Uggs. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning to you. Thanks for starting your weekend by tuning into the Beyond the Game program. We're certainly glad to have you along. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson. Joining me are those guys, Zach Barletta, Darren Metzger. We invite you to give our website a visit, btgprogram.com. You can also interact with the show on Twitter, at btgprogram. Our studio line is 585-431-1202. That's 585-431-1202. The program is pre-recorded, however, so the studio line is really just there to leave whatever thoughts you may have. Let's see how high we can push the ratings needle. And we'll start with soccer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know you guys. I know you guys well enough to know that you're going to like this. According to a Swedish newspaper I can't pronounce, a player whose name I also you cannot should, pronounce you should try anyway. was given them. a red card, ejected from a lower league game for audibly passing gas. <laughs> <laughs> what? Audibly passing gas. The player said it was a strange red card. I had a bit of a tummy upset, and in the last minute of the game, I let off a fart. <laughs> the referee showed me a yellow card and then followed up with a red card. I can only surmise that he thinks I did it up against an opponent, but to provoke someone with a fart would be pretty bizarre. I don't know that that would be too bizarre for soccer. For passing gas? Like, for farting, you got a red card. This was the second yellow card for the offending player, though he claims to have no memory of the first. I just did a perfectly innocent fart, he says, (laughs) and got sent off for it. The referee said that it was for unsportsmanlike behavior. He may be entertaining, and who doesn't love Charles Barkley? (laughs) Everyone loves Charles. But the guy is a buffoon. Yeah, I can't argue. The guy's a buffoon who, I'm convinced, much like Skip Bayless, simply says things to get a reaction. He can't possibly. There's no way he can truly believe all of the things which come out of his mouth. He's like that little insecure kid who just says whatever in order to get you to giggle or maybe just to think you're, you know, think he's cool. Maybe he's insecure about his ability as an analyst, so he just says things so over the top that you don't actually notice his game analysis. For example, Even though the NBA saw that his actions were worthy of a suspension at the time during what would have been the biggest game of the year, Barkley defended Draymond Green's 
crotch shot on LeBron James. <laughs> Barkley applauded Green for responding when James, disres- quote, disrespectfully stepped over him. He said that Green, quote, had the right to hit James in the sensitive spot. Barkley says that when a guy steps over you, you have a moral obligation to punch him. No. A moral obligation? No. Not only did Barkley say there is a moral obligation to punch the guy, let alone punch him in the spot, but he also says you need to be deceitful about it, saying, now you got to act like you didn't try to do it. I will admit that. you got to act like you didn't mean to do it. Now, obviously, Barkley doesn't embrace Bible verses such as Matthew 5.39, which says, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. He does not embrace Bible verses such as Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if that wasn't foolish enough, Barkley also appeared on Bill Simmons' new uh, HBO show this week. And what am I missing about this guy, Simmons? (laughs) Why do they keep giving him these opportunities? He must drive ratings. I mean, he's got to be good for ratings, because I just don't. I don't like his programs. I don't like his, I I didn't like, he was the guy behind Grantland, right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't care for that either. Get off my lawn. But I think he's like Bayless. I think he's like Barkley where he just says things for the sake of a reaction. And I guess that drives ratings. People, people are so naive. Anyway, to add to his ridiculousness, Charles Barkley then said of LeBron James that he still doesn't think he's one of the NBA's five all-time best players. Charles might want to stop talking at this point. He has him in his top 10, but not in the top five above Michael Jordan, Oscar Robertson, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Those are big names, but LeBron's put himself in that discussion, man. Being more specific, he places James after Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan and in with the group of Larry Bird, Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, and Magic Johnson. I don't fully agree, but I also don't fully disagree. Now, he said a number of good things about LeBron. It's not as though he was just looking for opportunities to rip on the guy, but he said that LeBron has the advantage of being able to compile career numbers because he had a four-year head start by coming directly out of high school. And okay, if that isn't enough for you, one last thing about Barkley's stupid things to say. He told Simmons that his top five is never going to change what why do you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid why maybe you could say you don't expect it to to change but i mean those things those you know these these are all random they're subjective but you never know what kid out there today is going to be one day the all day great I agree with you on that. I, I get my, maybe why he would say it's never. Maybe going your kid. To maybe your kid one never. day is going to be nah, the greatest so. ever. I don't think so. He's to say my top five is never going to change. Not very athletic. I mean, if somebody comes around, the next LeBron, the next Michael Jordan. I want to know what he means by moral obligation. What does he think he's saying? Because you never have a moral obligation to punch someone in the groin. Like, that's messed up. If he steps over you, your pride might well up, and you might want to do it. And you know what? It's honestly not surprising if someone did do it. But it's not your moral obligation. Like, what is he? I don't think he. it means what he thinks it means. And if you're obligated to punch somebody for something as simple as stepping over you, you're pretty much obligated to punch them for anything, right? 
if you get hit with an elbow or whatever, then you're obligated to punch them. Like, that's just stupid. I remember one time we were we were all at a party and, and people were just, they were sleeping there. So the, the room is, we're all crashed out. And this one guy got up to get a drink or something. But on his way back, he <laughs> stepped squarely on this guy's <laughs> chest. I mean, just stepped down with all his weight. And then you heard the guy on the floor, I'm sorry. He's apologizing for laying in the wrong spot. Is he Canadian? <laughs> I, I don't know. Speaking of clowns, did you see the video of Red Sox first baseman Hanley Ramirez after he hit his first home run since, what, forever ago? Going into Wednesday night's game against the White Sox, Ramirez is batting somewhere around 260. He's got five home runs. He hadn't hit one in 29 games, something like 120-some plate appearances. He's been demoted to seventh in the batting order. He had just gone 0 for 8 with five strikeouts and back-to-back losses to Chicago on Monday and Tuesday. But then he drills an opposite field line drive home run into the Red Sox bullpen to give the, the Red Sox the lead. He looks directly into the Nesson cameras, home of the Red Sox broadcast, and gives this animated display. He points to the to his bicep so as to remind everyone of what a big, strong man he is. He makes some sort of microphone gesture as to imply reporters and he also makes the familiar hand gesture symbolizing people talking too much and then he also makes this odd weak air swing symbolizing who knows what and he eventually ends the silly game of charades by waving off the camera insinuating that he's done son your ego is writing checks your body can't cash it was just this bizarre thing to see in the dugout he dismissed it afterwards saying he was just having fun but my man my man, I know you feel good. I know you're excited. You actually contributed offensively with some power for the first time in forever, but come on. Now you have, what, six home runs on this season? That puts you on pace to hit somewhere around 14. Hardly the kind of power numbers you expect from your corner infielders. By the way, counting that home run, Ramirez had a total of one hit in that game. He finished one for five. I just want to point out how absolutely awesome these big contracts of the Panda and Ramirez are working out. You know, the contracts that the Red Sox fans were all really pumped about. Just want to point Darren's out. gratuitous shot at the Red Sox. Oh, I took, a, I took I had my shot and I took it there. Coming up today on the program, we give you a few thoughts on the NBA Finals, like most everyone else has. We'll talk about a crazy story involving a NASCAR guy. Plus, we'll have some of our regular segments, such as shenanigans, pests of the week, and more. I hope you'll hang around. We have what I think is a pretty good show for you. That's today on Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Listen up, Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, and every other place that can hear this radio station. If you have a pest problem, don't waste your time with any company that's not named Town & Country Pest Solutions. I was a customer before they were the title sponsor of this show, and trust me, they know what they're doing. They have nearly three decades of experience ridding homes of wasps, bees, ants, roaches, bedbugs, squirrels, raccoons, snakes. Yes, I've seen a video of them taking care of a very large snake. You name it, Town & Country Pest Solutions handles it. They're so serious about solving your critter problems that they have an actual American Ninja Warrior on their team who will stop at nothing to get the job done. He can also get up on your roof without a ladder. What could be better? Pest problems solved and a show. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. 
That's 585-426-5024. One more time, write this down, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear absolutely nothing but God. I've been telling you about McAfee's Remodeling Company on this show for a long time. They're family-owned and have been in business for nearly two decades. They're great for all your interior and exterior home remodeling needs, but they also do much more. McAfee's Remodeling is now proud to offer Hydro Garden Construction to help you become more self-sufficient by growing food in your own home year-round. And they are now proud to be offering skylights and light tunnel installation. Light tunnels bring more healthy natural light into your home, allowing you to use less artificial light and save on electricity. So give McAfee's Remodeling a call at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. I'm Rick Benson. You can check out our website or interact with us on Twitter, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. A couple things happened this week. i just sort of wondering what you guys think. Starting in the NHL, Zach, your guy, Keith Yandel, just signed a huge Look. seven-year contract with the Florida Panthers. The Rangers, defense, or the Rangers traded away the rights to Yandel, who one of the league's best defensemen, would you agree? Definitely one of the best offensive defensemen, yeah. And in just a few days after obtaining his rights from the Rangers, the Panthers had him wrapped up for seven years. And I guess, Zach, what I'm wondering is, how in the world could the Rangers let this happen and allow Yandel to get away? Basically because the Rangers' front office are all morons. <laughs> I, just, I, I hate to say no. it because I... Just be blunt. I love them so much, but oh my gosh, they're just stuck in the past. Really, I... Basically, if you think about the Rangers as like a ship, Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl and their contracts are the gaping hole in the side of the ship that's letting the water on. And what the Rangers are doing is, oh, we're going to shift the deck chairs around. We're going to probably trade somebody we should keep to clear some space so we can sign Steven Stamkos and they'll go for the flashy big name like they always do. But the defense was terrible. They still think Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl are... Warriors, they're gritty gamers, they're top line defensemen, but they're not. They're terrible, their advanced numbers are terrible. The eye test, they are terrible. In the playoffs, they routinely got skated right around by the Penguins. And until you find a way to get those guys off the roster, nothing's going to get any better. So they chose those two guys by giving them long contracts with no movement deals, basically over Keith Yandel and probably over some of the young guys they should be keeping. Originally, when I saw the news that they had traded away the rights to Yandel, I assumed, like, all right, there's an issue here. Yandel is saying he wants a, a big, big contract. Well, he get, did get a big contract, got a very nice contract, and must be the Rangers weren't willing to give it to him. And I thought signability was going to be an issue, but then the Panthers wrapped him up pretty quick. But, I mean, they did give him big money. Mm -hmm. And they're a young team that is on the upswing. They're going to win a lot of games. So that's He's a, a nice addition place. there. He absolutely is, and you think about somebody like him that's a puck mover that can get the puck consistently up ice to those young, fast kids. That's uh, He's a perfect fit there. Yeah. Also in New York moves this week, the Knicks acquire former MVP Derrick Rose from the Chicago Bulls. They give up Jerry and Grant, Robin Lopez, Jose Calderon, 
Although I think this is one of those trades that come around every so often where both teams walk away winners. They come out happy. The Bulls get a a young player with a lot of upside in Grant who will be a lot better off not trapped by the triangle like I think he was. And um, they also get a center in Lopez to replace Joakim Noah who appears to want out of Chicago. And the Knicks get a guy who was once great, comes with an expiring contract, which is really what the Knicks want. This is a, a nothing to lose for the Knicks. He should be motivated to play well in what is a contract year. I mean, I really liked the upside. I liked mm-hmm. Grant's skill set. I thought that I thought that might have been a lot to give up, you know, for an aging star like uh, Derek Rose. And, and maybe not aging. He's not. He's he's really not all that old. He's no, just broken. He's broken down. But you have to give up something to get something. And this looks like both teams come away happy. Darren, you agree? I do agree. I mean, Rose played in 66 games last year. This is the most he's played in since the knee injury. Uh, that's uh, That looks good. I'm optimistic that he plays in more games because it is a contract year. I, I think he should have a good season. But at the same time, I'm a little bit wary because, I mean, he is sure. breaking down. And it's it's really sad to see, especially how, with how explosive and good he was in that MVP season. But you know, I, I'm optimistic. He's the best point guard Possibly the best guard that the Knicks have had since since Allen Houston, really. Even if the guy, even if Rose is eighty percent, name me a point guard that's been better than an eighty percent Derrick Rose in the last. 10 no, that's years. been a void on the Knicks for years. But I did have a chuckle a bit when I heard, according to one source, that Phil Jackson told Derrick Rose that he plans to pursue Kevin Durant as soon <laughs> as he is allowed to. Yeah, I mean, I laugh because that's. And there isn't anybody who doesn't know that. Of course you're going to pursue him. But land him, well, that's another thing, isn't it? It's not happening. You know, think it, about it, though. Can you imagine that starting lineup? You got Rose, hopefully healthy, Mello, Porzingis, Durant. That's a playoff team immediately if that happened. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. I mean, the Knicks will have the cap space to give Durant uh-huh. a max contract, yes, but they, they are not nearly not nearly as an attractive an option as some other teams will be no. pursuing Dur- Duran as well. I mean, is there any reason for that guy to pick New York over places like Golden State, San Antonio, Miami, probably both the Lakers and the Clippers? Or going there, back to the Thunder. That's, that's right. Not to mention Oklahoma City, who still seems to make the most sense to me. And each of those places with Durant on in the lineup have a much better shot at a title than the Knicks. I mean, you could you could make the case that the East is the easier path to the finals. You could say that, which is true. You really only have Cleveland to fight with there. But I mean, his best chance to win a championship is Golden State, the Thunder, the Spurs. Oh, any of, the, any of those. Any, any of, of those them. is better. Any than, of them. Yeah. Now, that said, a healthy Derrick Rose in a lineup that features Carmelo and Kristaps Porzingis, I mean, that's a nice start. It'd be good. Durant might like the idea of playing through the East, but I just don't think the Knicks could get enough touches to keep all those guys happy anyway. And Knicks fans don't get your hopes up. It's probably not going to happen. As much as it probably hurts for Derrick Rose to leave Chicago where there was really so much unfinished business, the injuries for certain leave Rose and the Bulls left to only wonder what could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but he's got to be happy with the change. And as awful as the Knicks have been over the years, the Knicks are still one of the prestige organizations in all of sports. Don't understand. Madison that. Square Garden is one of the greatest places to play in the world. And yes, New York, they love its Yankees. They love the many championships. But I have told you before, New York's a basketball town. 
There's no buzz equal to a buzz coming out of MSG when the Knicks are playing well. If Derrick Rose is looking for a place to have a bounce-back year in the final season of his contract, there's no place better for that to happen than New York. And sometimes change is just the right thing. I'm certain he wanted to win in Chicago. I'm certain of that. But he wanted to be the be the guy to bring a title back to the Bulls, but it just didn't happen. And maybe now getting away from where so many seasons ended in frustration will reinvigorate him. Philippians 3.13 is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. And if you're someone that has a has had a difficult past, has had failures, regrets, mistakes, this is a verse which can provide both comfort, encouragement, The Apostle Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says, man, I haven't got it all figured out, but I know this. I don't do, I can't do anything about my past. I'm leaving those things behind and I'm moving on toward the future. In following, in the following verse, you see that he is moving on toward the high calling of the service uh, of serving Jesus Christ. this the, the past is not going to keep Paul from doing what he knows is the best thing he can do, which is being part of God's work. Remember, Paul was once a guy who persecuted those who served and loved God. He put Christians to death. If God could change his heart, he could certainly change yours. Paul made it his goal to bring honor and glory to God. Paul says we ought to keep on, keep going for the goal. Keep going for the goal God has for us. For athletes, athletes such as Derek Rose, two things are important when trying to obtain their goals, focus and perseverance. For Rose, leaving past disappointments there in the past is going to be important for him to, to have success in New York. There's nothing he can do about not having brought a championship to Chicago, but he can move towards a new mark of being the best that he can be in New York, being focused on his role with the Knicks, persevering through change and all the things that come with being part of a new team. Focus has to be held, though. It has to be directed. It can be like holding the steering wheel of your car on a long straightaway. It might sway from time to time, so you have to bring it back to center. When you are focusing on following God's will for your life, you will undoubtedly sway at times, but you need to bring it back into focus again. Perseverance, though, that's that refusal to quit. Much like what we saw with LeBron and the Cavs after they were down 3-1, they refused to give in. And sometimes you need to lean on God, and, and you can discover that you have more than you think you have, more perseverance than you ever dreamed you have. If you don't give up, in time you will reap a harvest according to God's grace and mercy. Look, in sports, just uh, just like in life, athletes mess up, People mess up, you know, a defensive miscue on a ball field like Bill Buckner, an embarrassing fumble like Mark Sanchez. If an athlete allows these types of things to get in their head, it could change the course of their career. You can't keep dwelling on bad plays. If you're worried that you keep messing up as a Christian, you need to keep pressing on. Philippians 3.13 ought ought to encourage you. You need to keep pressing on. Remember, you haven't arrived yet. None of us have. We're not there. We have to press on. No turning back. The devil wants for you to quit. But don't give up. Stay focused. Persevere. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Dig into the Word of God. Spend time in prayer. 
Press on toward your goal. Forget past mistakes. Be all that you can be for Christ's glory. This is Beyond the Game. Are you behind on your taxes? The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote at 800-930-0972. 800-930-0972. Your floors are under attack from overwatered plants to overflowing dog bowls. But the Home Depot has new water-resistant Pergo Outlast Plus laminate flooring starting at just $279 a square foot. So you and your floors get to fight back with 24-hour spill protection that stands up to liquids for a whole day without causing damage. The next generation of laminate flooring is Pergo Outlast Plus starting at just $279 a square foot. Exclusively from the Home Depot. More saving. More doing. U.S. only. Progressive presents Mindflowness with Flow. Your aura brims with confidence. The Name Your Price tool has given you policy options based on your budget. A source of great power rises from within, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex that can shoot dragons out of its eyes, riding on a tank. Get insurance based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, Darren Metzger. This is a part of the show where Zach gets to take over and give us a bunch of statements, and we'll go around and either agree with him or call shenanigans on Zach's statement. All right. Up first, Alex Rodriguez should quit playing and become a manager. You know, I agree, and there are several reasons. One is Alex has always loved baseball. The game is everything to him. He understands it well. Like him or hate him, you can't deny that he has baseball smarts. Second reason, his teammates love him. Even after everything that he's gone through, his teammates enjoy being around him. They respect him as a baseball guy. Uh, They may not like the, the whole steroids controversy, but they still respect him as a baseball guy. And the third thing, opponents hate him. He knows what beats them. It's, you know... It's debatable whether or not he can regularly execute those things in clutch situations, but probably the main reason I agree that Alex could manage is that fellow ballplayers seem to think so. Andrew Miller said this. He said, I've been blown away by Alex Rodriguez. The way he sees the game has blown me away. You hear our hitters talk about his insights, whether it's pitching sequences or lineup matters. Whatever it may be, Alex has a really advanced grasp. And Joe Girardi has also said Alex would make a good manager. And I'll tell you what, I was impressed with his insights last year when he was with Fox during the playoffs. I mean, I think we talked about it. We were all fairly impressed with him. But that said, I found a quote by Alex from back in February of this year where he said, I'll be managing, but I'll probably be managing my girls' teams or volunteering (laughs) at the Boys and Girls Club, but I won't be managing. You can quote me on that. Yeah, but... Like you said, he's such a baseball lifer and he loves it so much. Is he going to be able to walk away from the game and stay away from the game? I don't think so. So I agree with the statement. 
For one thing, his great year last year really is starting to look like a fluke. And he has a reputation, like you said, as a guy who studies and knows the game better than anyone, loves to help young hitters. Uh, we all heard how he mentored guys like Robinson Cano. Um, and he's a great teacher. And maybe he would need to be a hitting coach for a while first, like what McGuire and Bonds are doing. But I could definitely see him being a really good manager. I agree. Same as you guys. Same reasons you guys gave. I mean, he, he seems to be a great teammate. For all the issues he has had throughout the years, the one thing is people say he's a great teammate. So I, I think he'd make a great manager. He obviously is knowledgeable in baseball, as you have all said. I don't think I need to rehash anything. So, yes, I'm just going to agree. LeBron bringing a championship to Cleveland has finally made everyone forget the decision. Truth. It has made everyone forget any mistake he has made in the past. He is the man right now. His legacy is secure. He can do nothing wrong at this point. So, yes, it's made everyone forget it. LeBron's the man. Those things are true. He's the man. His legacy is secure, but without a doubt, they remember. So I say shenanigans. Coming back to Cleveland eased some of the bad feelings, and the championship eases more of those bad feelings, but they remember. Fans are fickle. They'll, they'll, they'll cheer you one day, boo you the next. And many of the same people who had burned his jersey went out and bought another one and celebrated LeBron like nothing had happened. But let him leave again, and he will. If it's not this year, enough time goes by, they'll, they'll say things like, the title is nice, but he if he hadn't left in the first place, we'd have X amount of more. If he hadn't ever left, we'd have we'd have done this. They're they're okay with LeBron. They may have even forgiven and moved on, but they haven't forgotten. I call shenanigans. I agree with you, Benson. Uh, bringing a trophy to Cleveland is a great story, but I don't think it really won over any quote unquote haters. I think if you hated the guy to begin with, you begrudgingly give him the title and and acknowledge that he played like a man possessed over the last couple of games. But almost everyone who dislikes him does so because of how they reacted to the decision. And I don't think his Instagram post the next day helped that at all either. Yeah, but in Cleveland, he's the man. Mm-hmm. In, oh, Cleveland, in Cleveland, oh, but absolutely. I still think those fans, the Cleveland fans, will they don't they haven't forgotten the decision. They may have forgiven it, but they haven't forgotten. It's a really big controversy. I mean, just listening to the radio or watching SportsCenter or whatever. There's so many different opinions and. Uh, as always. Yeah, I just think there's still so many people that will never approve of anything he does just because they don't like him, you know? The Golden State Warriors are already next year's NBA championship favorites. Truth or shenanigans, they should be. Truth, they should be. Uh, they won 73 games. They're the best regular season basketball team of all time. They have largely m- many of those guys returning. I don't see why they shouldn't be the early season favorites. That's fine with me. They should be. Well, I'm going to follow Darren because I'm going to disagree just like on the last one. I say shenanigans. They had a great regular season, but they didn't finish the job. So why should they be the favorites to win a championship? Unless LeBron were to leave, the Cavs should be the favorites. Kyrie Irving emerged with a lot of confidence and some huge shots during the finals. Mm -hmm. He he came out big. And maybe I missed it, but... uh, this was a Kyrie Irving I hadn't seen before. And maybe, like I said, maybe I've missed it before, but I'd never seen him play like this. So going into next season, there's no reason for me to think that he, LeBron, the rest of the Cavs will keep on rolling. And as I've said before, 
Kevin Love is nice, but he's not the difference maker. So no. regardless of whether he stays or goes, I, I think the Cavs, they, they have to be the favorites. I have to add to my just – I have to clarify. I don't think that Steph was right in the finals. Something was wrong with Steph Curry. He was, yeah, I, I, I would agree. A fully healthy Steph changes that series. I agree with you. There, there was something. And also missing Draymond Green for a game too. But I, I agree with the statement. Uh, they just set the single season record for wins. They have the reigning unanimous MVP, and now they're also going to be hungry because of what just happened in the final. So I, I agree. They should they should be the the favorites. The Philadelphia. Well, uh, no, uh, why though? Again, they won the regular season, but there's if both teams go into the same lineup, why should they be the favorites? Cleveland just beat them in seven games. I don't think Cleveland beats them in another seven games. I really don't. And the year before that, they beat Cleveland. So it's not like they can't yeah, but do Cleveland it again. The, the lineup Kyrie. Weren't. Yeah, yeah the it lineup's wasn't the same at all. And they probably won't be the same going into next year. You'll no, see it never Dur- is. You'll, you'll see De- Kevin Durant. So, yeah. <laughs> Put Kevin Durant on a Golden State. It's over. <laughs> the Philadelphia 76ers won 10 games this year. With number one pick Ben Simmons added to the roster, they will double that and get to 20 next season. I agree. I do. I, I agree. You have to think that at some point, if you keep stop stockpiling number one picks, you got to get competitive. Yeah, you got to get competitive at some point, right? And really, is going twenty and sixty two setting the bar all that high? <laughs> I mean, losing ten games is is really rather re- remarkable. Excuse me, winning only ten games is really rather remarkable. I mean, it seems like you should just be able to fall into ten wins, right? So twenty and sixty two is really not setting the bar all that high. I gotta call shenanigans, and I'm I'm sorry, but Simmons had a tough time helping LSU win in the college level last year consistently. And you're gonna help the Sixers, who are possibly one of the worst franchises in basketball right now. You're gonna help them win ten more games in the NBA, where it's even harder to win. He's an incredible talent. He did something that hasn't been done since Ron Harper did in 86 with averaging over 19 and 11 rebounds and four assists. He's a phenomenal talent, but I don't think he's going to be enough to help a terrible franchise. The first thing I thought of this about when I considered this question was the Oilers, who have first-round pick after first-round pick and still can't win. But I'll agree with the statement. I think that not so much having Ben Simmons on the team, but the other number one picks having a year under their belts and being maybe a little better next year. Like you said, 20 and 62 is still not a really high bar to reach. I feel like they can get enough of a bounce from Simmons that they can get up to 20 wins. David Ortiz told reporters this week that he regrets announcing his upcoming retirement before this season because he can't get anything done with all the added media attention. Truth or shenanigans, David Ortiz is a whiny baby. I agree. That is all. <laughs> hey, he is. I mean, no surprise here. I think he's a great hitter. He sh- he shines in the clutch. He he beats the heck out of the Yankees. A truly great hitter. But the guy is absolutely a whiny baby. Every pitch inside or a call he doesn't agree with, and you see that whiny side of him come out. And, and I'm not talking about a player occasionally getting frustrated and, and whining. This happens all the time with this cat. I respect his ability, but I, I listen, everybody knows I'm not a fan of David Ortiz, and it's not because he beats the Yankees. It's because the guy is a whiny baby. So when you say I agree, that is all? That wasn't, that wasn't all. all. That wasn't all. It was, and then I thought more about it, and I said, no, I, I got things to you, say about this. Do you want to keep going? No, the guy's a whiny baby. Okay. I agree, too. 
uh, for everything that Benson just said. He whines about everything. You're going to come out and say, I mean, someone that is established and as great of a hitter as David Ortiz has been throughout his career, you're going to come out and say you're going to retire at the end of the year and then not expect it to be overcovered. You saw what happened with, with Mo. You saw what happened with Derek Jeter. You didn't expect the same thing with you. I mean, you did this to yourself, so shut up and stop whining. I agree, too. He's under intense media scrutiny already as a beloved superstar in Boston. Maybe he's tired of hearing the questions about retirement, but now he's laying in the bed he made for himself. So time to man up and deal with it, just like we've seen Jeter, Pettit, and Rivera all do. Yeah, if he's tired of the questions about retirement, maybe reporters can go back to ask him about that one steroid test. Oh, <laughs> you really love Ortiz, don't you? I don't. He frosts your fanny. He does. Ichiro Suzuki doesn't have as many MLB hits as Pete Rose, but he's a better player. Truth or shenanigans? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say truth here. I didn't I know I did not get to see Pete Rose play very I'll much. follow you again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to see Pete Rose play, so I I think I'm being biased towards what I saw out of Ichiro. But that speed that he had and that hand cannon from right field was a lot of fun for me to watch. But I fully admit I'm not really well-versed on watching Pete Rose play. Yeah, and that's why I'll follow you and I'll call shenanigans. I disagree. I I do remember watching those big red machines, and I remember watching Pete Rose play, and he was the heart of those teams. And you can tell me all about Tony Perez, and I know a lot of Red fans will. No, no, Perez was the heart. No, Pete Rose was the man. His grit, his determination allowed him to make plays and take extra bases that left you just amazed. There's no way he could have just done that. And And Ichiro perhaps has more elements to his game, but I don't know. Rose's top side in those areas that he excelled in were so high above everybody else. I'm a big Ichiro fan. I really am. I like Ichiro, and I'm not taking anything away from how great he is. Uh, He's certainly a great player as well, but if you were building a team, you're going to take Rose in his prime over Ichiro, Ichiro in his Every time. Well, I would not. I agree 100% with the statement. (laughs) Pete Rose was a compiler. He was a really good player, but he accomplished what he did through toughness and grit and heart, like you said. Not necessarily by being a dominant player, I don't think. And Ichiro was one of those dominant players. While Pete Rose stuck around long enough and compiled his numbers by longevity, Ichiro has done what he's done by being an amazing player and athlete. He was an elite defender with an elite arm. Like Darren said, he racked up 200-plus hits year after year, stole a ton of bases. The impressive thing to me is he's about to reach 3,000 Major League hits, but he didn't start in the Major Leagues till he was 27. You usually see that in a guy that's been, you know, came up at a young age and stuck around. In my opinion, and as a younger guy who grew up with Ichiro, not with Rose, Ichiro's clearly better. I never understood the compiling argument. You know, that makes no sense to me. You're you're penalizing a guy because he had the longevity and had a, was able to stay in the game long enough to put up some of those numbers. Now, even if you were making that case that he was a compiler, take the last few years out. When he was playing, he was a dominant player. You had to figure for Pete Rose, he was a great hitter. Like I said, I can't argue with you because I didn't see Rose play. That's Much right. like I think MJ is the greatest of all time, I never saw Bill Russell play. So I can't argue with someone that's going to say Bill Russell is the greatest of all time. So I, I really can't argue with you that people. Well, then Rose, shut up. But you, you, you win either way. Can we agree <laughs> with that? You, you start a, a Everybody's entitled to their Rose? opinion. Fine, that's the fun part of this. Hey, we're going to take a break. Coming up on the other side of the break, 
We're going to talk a little about the NBA Finals. You're listening to Beyond the Game brought to you by Town & Country. That's Solution. Listen up, Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, and every other place that can hear this radio station. If you have a pest problem, don't waste your time with any company that's not named Town & Country Pest Solutions. I was a customer before they were the title sponsor of this show, and trust me, they know what they're doing. They have nearly three decades of experience ridding homes of wasps, bees, ants, roaches, bedbugs, squirrels, raccoons, snakes. Yes, I've seen a video of them taking care of a very large snake. You name it, Town & Country Pest Solutions handles it. They're so serious about solving your critter problems that they have an actual American Ninja Warrior on their team who will stop at nothing to get the job done. He can also get up on your roof without a ladder. What could be better? Pest problems solved and a show. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time, write this down, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear absolutely nothing but God. I've been telling you about McAfee's Remodeling Company on this show for a long time. They're family-owned and have been in business for nearly two decades. They're great for all your interior and exterior home remodeling needs, but they also do much more. McAfee's Remodeling is now proud to offer Hydro Garden Construction to help you become more self-sufficient by growing food in your own home year-round. And they are now proud to be offering skylights and light tunnel installation. Light tunnels bring more healthy natural light into your home, allowing you to use less artificial light and save on electricity. So give McAfee's Remodeling a call at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Thanks for sticking with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by the good folks at Town & Country Pest Solutions. Let's be honest. You hate ants. I hate ants. We all hate ants, right? When they invade your space like they did in our garden, then you'll really hate them. My poor wife was working in the garden. She must have unknowingly uncovered a colony of ants because she says her feet and lower legs were just covered with ants within minutes she was creeped out she had the willies for the for hours you know how you get that nothing really there but your mind plays tricks on you oh yeah yeah she had that thing happen that's why you want to keep the number for the town and country folks right on hand 585-426-5024 that's 585-426-5024 town and country pest solutions being a weekly program sometimes things in sports would have They've aged a bit by the time our show is there, so we don't get a chance to talk about it because it's no longer really relevant. For instance, you have, you've been hearing about the NBA Finals, the Cleveland Cavaliers' victory for days now. But the good thing about our program is we can talk about whatever we want. And there are some <laughs> things about these finals I, I would like to clear up. For instance, during last week's show, we have this audio clip of my man, insinuating that LeBron James was not a man. I say shenanigans because the NFL is for grown men, grown men who can take some body contact and not flop worse than a soccer player. All I've seen from LeBron is him acting like a giant baby, flopping all over the court, crying to the refs anytime he gets touched, crying to the media about stuff he deems unfair. 
be honest, man. Have some class. Own this thing. LeBron. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> He's awesome. He's a full-grown man. He is the number one sole reason that Cleveland won the finals. Well, in the Kyrie three, but yeah. Here's the thing. On his back. LeBron wins. Yeah. Not just another NBA championship. He beat all his detractors. If you're one of those people who have taken shots at LeBron, and I was one of them, he left you with nothing more to say. I have never denied that he is one of the best players in the game today. He's one of the best players of all time. Mm-hmm. Unlike Barkley, I would put him in my top five. I'm not stand, saying that Steph Curry didn't deserve the MVP. I believe he did. But having a great season does not make you one of the best players of all time, nor does it make you better than a guy like LeBron who simply he didn't have the same phenomenal type of regular season that Curry enjoyed. When the comparisons between LeBron and Jordan come up, and the, as they do all the time, sort of a my generation guy versus your generation guy or old school versus new school thing, my answer was always that Jordan had that undefinable thing, that edge which allowed him to uh, sort of just elevate his game when it mattered most and seemingly will his team to victory. LeBron, he didn't have that. In fact, and I even said it recently, he tended to often fade away late in the game as if he had given up and as he was just content to live to fight another day. Never saw that in Jordan. Well, that changed in these finals. As you just said, LeBron mm-hmm. was a man. Yeah. I mean, he stepped up with his team down three to one. And let's be real, everybody was trying to decide what night the Warriors were going to celebrate. He manned up. He found those few extra minerals and got the job done. I got to tell you, I hadn't seen that in LeBron until now. No. And I, because of that, I'd, I'd always given the edge to MJ. And right now, I, I'd be, I just don't know. I'm not sure that he's, he's Jordan still. I'm still not sure. No. Because I'd, I'd like to see him do it as often as Jordan did, but I'm not sure he isn't. If somebody wants to tell me that LeBron James is the greatest of all time, it's debatable. He may be. He I, may not be, but he may be. I do stand behind my flopping comments, though. I'm really sick of seeing LeBron do that. The guy went back to Cleveland, knew that he handled the way he left. He hadn't handled that well. He went back. He promised the title. That's why he went home, and he got it done. And he got it done with a supersized performance, a Herculean effort. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm overstating that. I never completely counted the Cavs out, even down 3-1. Obviously, that's easy to say now, but you know, a team that talented just can't be dismissed. And that's why we love sports. We see crazy things happen all the time. But anyone being honest would admit they figured the chances were very, very slim. And the way the Warriors could shoot the lights out, you'd think there's there's no way they dropped three straight, right? Man, he just rose up. I've heard some quiet rumblings, and you know you expect to hear more as time goes on that the Warriors choked. I, honestly, I didn't see that. Granted, I, I questioned some of the things there in that fourth quarter of Game 7, and for certain, some of those shots were poor choices. Mm-hmm. You know, it seemed forced. But I saw it more as the Cavaliers, and specifically LeBron, they just took it. You know, they, maybe they wanted it. But I don't know. That block late in the game by LeBron. That was huge. That was a deal sealer for me. Uh, as, and if I remember right, isn't that when Irving hit the three coming back up the court? I mean, the title for Cleveland was signed, sealed, and delivered 
when he blocked that shot. That was so big. That was like a, a metaphor for him blocking any chance the Warriors had coming back. It was huge. That was so demoralizing. They're saying Cleveland should have a statue of LeBron. And I've heard people say it should be a statue of him blocking Iguodala. It was that big of a play. It, it was huge. It, it was huge. Now I do. I still admire Steph Curry. He's handled it with class. With class. You didn't. You haven't heard excuses from him. No. Nope. I haven't heard him blame an injury or something like that. Though, as we said right before the break during shenanigans, I do think there was Something's something wrong. there. Mm-hmm. Yes, credit the Cavs and even Oklahoma City for game planning, but. Uh, we didn't see the same Steph Curry, and but he has at least publicly kept it in good perspective. Nobody likes to be criticized. And Steph Curry has received his fair share throughout the postseason, and especially as the Cavaliers completed this comeback from 3-1 to one on every level. Pro, collegiate, scholastic, amateur, sports comes with criticism. Whether you're playing, coaching, officiating, and even those who do the planning, get criticized. It comes from players, it comes from coaches, it comes from parents, and, you know, it definitely comes from fans, and of course it comes from the media. Even high school kids get criticized by the media in the local paper. And the bad part is that not all criticism is constructive. Perhaps some of it is not even fair or warranted. It's probably not delivered with grace and love. Ever been to a youth game? You know, you go to a youth (laughs) soccer game, youth baseball game, you hear the parents offer the refs criticism, not a lot of love and grace involved in the way they offer it. But delivered appropriately, criticism is healthy. If you keep hearing the same criticism of a certain area of your life, you should stop and think about that for a while. Pray over it. Because chances are, because you hear the same critique time and time again, there's there might be an issue there. Ignoring it will only make it worse as well as make it more difficult to change. Proverbs 29 verse 1 says, He is who, he who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. I remember an umpire friend of mine who he always called low strikes. That's just the way he saw it. He would always call that area just below the knees a strike, and he would never call the upper part of the strike zone. That was always a ball. It was as if he had the same strike zone as in the books, only it was a little lower than it should have been. The guy knew it because he heard it so often. Coaches knew it, made sure his players were aware of it. He was consistent, but technically he was consistently wrong. And that just put a player who knew the strike zone well in a bad place. It forced them to adjust to something that was not according to the rule book. But as I say, this guy, the umpire, he knew it, but he never changed it. I'd suggest to him, I'd I'd try to tell him, like, look, I don't think you're getting yourself in a good enough position to really get a good view of the ball. And it it was every time, but he he wouldn't listen. It's just how I see it was his answer. We need to evaluate ourselves, even when criticism isn't delivered appropriately. And a lot of times it's not. Is it possible there's some truth to what they are saying? Could I really be blind as a bat? Proverbs 13.18 says, Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whosoever heeds reproof is honored. A wise person appreciates fair and constructive criticism. He accepts instruction, and sometimes we can learn from someone who is only trying to hurt us. Sometimes it's tough. It can be harsh. People's intentions may only be to take a jab at you, but we can still glean some 
some valuable insights, which we might not have gotten otherwise. Sometimes those who, who are close to us are just not willing to tell us the truth because they don't want to hurt you. Proverbs twenty thirty says, Blows that wound cleanse away evil. It's not a bad idea to look for truth in each and every criticism. But of course, it's always preferred to receive that criticism when it's given delicately with the grace and the love of a friend. If you are the one handing out the criticism, keep please keep that in mind. Go gentle on people. And yes, parents, I've seen your behavior at youth soccer games. I've seen it at baseball and basketball games. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves sometimes. You know what I learned as a coach? An umpire very rarely, if ever, is going to change a call with you yelling at him. Publicly, in front of everyone. They're not going to change their call. They rarely do. You know, um, in fact, just you're probably just ensuring that the next close play goes against you. But if you go out between innings or maybe during a break in the game and respectfully ask him how he saw the play, it's possible that perhaps you missed something in your biased view of things. Ask him how he saw it, perhaps how he interpreted the rule. Don't show him up, him or her, in front of everyone. And be content. If you don't get the answer you want, be content with whatever you get. You're still probably not going to see a change in the call. They're not changing a previous play. And there's a better chance, though, that you will get the next close play. You can sway an official with kindness. Not always, but much of the time. Deliver your criticism delicately. Besides that, when you handle those things well, you teach your players and their parents how to appropriately criticize another person. Listen, if you're getting criticized, whether it's with grace or through the jagged teeth and fangs, Stop and consider if there is some element of truth there. You may not like it, but God may be trying to tell you something. You may be right, though. There is that chance you may be right and everybody else is wrong, but you'll never know if you don't at least stop to think about it. Don't be defensive. Be graceful in your response. Remember, Proverbs 15.1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. One quick look at the clock here, and I can see we're running out of time on this week's show. I did promise at the top, I teased that we're going to talk a little bit about NASCAR, a crazy story, but I do apologize if you've been waiting around for that, and if you are, you're lying. Ain't nobody <laughs> been waiting around for that story, but I apologize. We're not going to get to that, but we do got to get Darren's unreasonable rant. We'll have our pest of the week. So, Darren, why don't you give us your unreasonable rant? Now the moment we've all been waiting for. Tom Brady wears Uggs. I have no knowledge of anything. I have no explanation for what happened. The highlight of the show. I'm not going to let our fans down. The reason people tune in week after week. Said no one ever. Darren's Unreasonable Rant. Big news this week. Big news. There's a Star Wars clone for men. Actually, there's two cents for men. Nerds everywhere are excited to get their hands on either Empire and or Jedi. They're said to enhance the natural lady repellent of the turds who would wear this, which has many basement-dwelling creepers going crazy. 
But never fear, ladies, there's a scent for you as well. I can't remember what it's called, though, and honestly, I don't care, since the women who would wear this probably live alone with only the comfort of their 37 cats, who they refer to as their furry children. The only thing more sad than how geeked-out nerds everywhere are for this cologne is how excited every Knicks fan is over Derrick Rose, including myself. Sadly, Rose is the best point guard, possibly the best guard, period, that the Knicks have had since Allen Houston. This is how sad it is to be a Knicks fan. We are pumped about a broken-down former MVP to join forces with an aging mellow. And now there's news that Phil Jackson's going to try and get to rant. Dude's losing his mind in his old age if he thinks that's possible, and so are the Knicks fans trying to convince me that this could happen. Everyone calm down and realize that this is the Knicks. We are talking about the Knicks. Even if all of this did happen, they'd find a way to screw it up. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. My pest of the week is Florida State University football. Last season, the Seminoles did not win the ACC. They did not qualify for the college football playoff. Florida State had to settle for the Peach Bowl, which, by the way, they lost to Houston. No ACC championship, no bowl game victory. Granted, it doesn't happen very often, but for last year's Florida State football team, no championship rings were earned. So what do you do? Well, probably most people in their right mind just accept the fact that they had an off year and get after it again next year. However, in this era of participation trophies, FSU unveiled the ultimate participation trophy when they announced players from last year's football team would receive state championship rings. That's right. They went 3-0 and within the state of Florida with wins over the University of South Florida, Miami, and the Florida Gators. Sure, those were all regular season games, but that's a 3-0 and record, and so for Florida State, that calls for a celebration and championship rings. Party on, FSU alum. Just like in high school, you can celebrate a state championship. You can't handle the truth! Florida State University football, my pest of the week. This participation trophy things are getting out of control, man. Three, we went three and zero in the state of Florida. You're a college football program, <laughs> a major Division college one. football yeah. program, oh, yeah. and one of those wins was over USF. <laughs> that yeah. is just ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, I'm not impressed. Uh, my pest of the week is lentils. I have, lentils. I have, been, <laughs> I have done this 21 day fix thing with my wife, and I could say that eating healthy is terrible. I miss pizza and wings and garbage plates, and lentils suck. My pest of the week is Mets manager Terry Collins. After Mets ace Noah Syndergaard was taken out of Wednesday night's game suddenly for an undisclosed injury, Collins, for whatever strange reason, wasn't going to answer anything about the injury until the Mets vice president of media relations told him to. After all, everyone wants to know what happened to their best pitcher, right? Well, Collins got mad about it. He cursed at the table, said, The puppy dog wants you to know that Noah Syndergaard is seeing the doctor. His elbow flared up on him. That's why it took him out of the game. Then immediately stood up and stormed out of the press conference. Collins has since apologized, but calling your PR guy a puppy dog is weird, stupid, and uncalled for. And I would agree. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or you can give them a call at 585-426-5024. 
426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. For those guys, Zach and Darren, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at the same time. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.